Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. Uh, as we are in our study of the uh, book of Matthew, we're coming to an end. Uh, for those of you who think it's neat, we are going to have the resurrection on Resurrection Sunday. Uh, Lord worked that out that we could get within a few weeks, and so uh, I'm thankful for that in the next weeks to come. I wanted to, uh, I realized that every time uh, people show up to church, different things are flowing through your mind right now. You probably have a, a top five list of uh, things that are been bouncing around your head this week. Some of them are exciting things and you're thankful and you're just overwhelmed at how great they are. And other things, not so much. Uh, they might be uh, financial problems. They might be health problems. Uh, they might be worries of the future that are, are coming upon you or things that happened in the past that keep cropping up and uh, they burden your heart. Uh, they might be your kids. Uh, your kids might be um, a pain in your heart. Uh, I said it nicer than pain, pain somewhere else, but pain in your heart. Uh, your, your kids might be that, and you, you think about them, and you worry for them, and you hurt for them. Uh, I, I don't know what it is to uh, that you come into church with, and I'm not going to ask either. We're not going to have a, a pass-the-mic time uh, here at Bear Valley Church. We, we could do that some other time. It'd be very eventful, I'm sure. Uh, but, but what I want uh, to tell you this morning is this that what I'm going to share with you today makes everything that we go through seem very small. Everything. And I realize that's a, you know, if, if I were selling a product this morning, uh, that would uh, that would be a big claim that I'd have to uh, come through on. And yet I, I believe it to be so. Um, we are going to uh, begin looking this week at the crucifixion of Jesus. And so... Uh, we're in Matthew chapter 27, and we'll be starting in verse 27. Chapter 27, verse 27. Uh, if you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Chapter 27, starting in verse 27. Then the soldiers uh, of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered uh, the whole battalion before him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head, put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him, and they took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him, and led him away to crucify him. And, and as they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. 
And over his head they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. God, we ask for your blessing on your word. Help us to see it clearly. Uh, help us to uh, embrace the gospel. And then may that set the agenda for the week and the agenda for our lives. God, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe seated. This morning, we're going to look at four different groups of sinners. Uh, we have soldier sinners. We have, uh, it wasn't a very good point because I keep forgetting it, ignorant sinners, religious sinners, and then condemned sinners. Okay, we're going to have these different conversations. And you could break it up different ways as well. You could uh, talk about the scene at headquarters, Roman headquarters, or, and then the place of the crucifixion. Uh, you could talk about uh, different ways to break this down, even uh, doing this message in a couple of weeks, um, splitting it up into two messages. Uh, that may concern you, uh, that we're going to all do it today, and maybe that's justified. I don't know. Uh, we'll see at the time. We're starting with the soldiers, sinners. And if you followed our study, uh, you realize that uh, this has all been pushing to the cross. Uh, that the Jesus knew that he was going to the cross. He was uh, preparing his disciples. He was being prepared himself. And then as the religious leaders brought charges against him, trumped up charges, uh, we, we see them gathering together a, a body of evidence to bring to the Romans. They go to Pilate. Uh, that Pilate finds no reason for him to be put uh, to death, right? And so uh, he decides he's going to let Barabbas go or give them the option of letting Barabbas go uh, and thinking that that would solve it. It doesn't. They still want to uh, have Jesus crucified. And now... We're at the moment where it's turned over to the soldiers. Sentencing has happened. He's turned over to the soldiers, and it's going to happen. And so that's where we pick up our story in verse 27. It's the soldier sinners uh, and their conversations and actions towards Jesus. We see the setting as the governor's headquarters, and uh, we don't know if this is a different place altogether than they, where they were, or if it's just a different portion of the palace where you have housed all the, the Roman soldiers. And some have suggested there's up to 600 Roman soldiers in this place, and uh, a great number of them have been assembled uh, at this time, so probably over 100, uh, maybe hundreds themselves. As we look at this, we see this setting. 
we realize the Roman soldiers are either guards or just soldiers, and they are going to go about doing their job. What is their job? It's to crucify Jesus. It's to kill him. It's to live out or to uh, carry out the sentence. And uh, we know by history that usually there were four guards. There were four guards that would go about a crucifixion. Uh, They would carry that out. And so as you consider these hundreds, possibly, there were probably a handful of them that knew that it was their job to take Jesus and to crucify him. What we see here is this, that, and it's hard for me to to separate uh, what I already know from what the story is, where we are in the passage. Um, I, I know who this man Jesus is. I know him. And who is he? He's the Savior King. He, he's the, the, the perfect one. He's the, the sinless one. He, he's the one who's God come in the flesh. I, I understand all that. And so this scene with the, the soldier sinners is pretty difficult for me. As we look at this, the soldiers, uh, and I, I don't like this, this word because it seems inappropriate, but I think it's proper, it properly identifies. For them, this scene becomes horseplay. Let's just mess around with this guy. They look at Jesus, they look at Jesus as a condemned, uh, a condemned guilty, and his life, his life, because of the crucifixion that he's going to, it's worthless. It doesn't matter. And so they get into this, this whole scene of just making fun, mocking, horseplaying at the expense of Jesus. We see what they did in, in, in verse 28. It says, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. If you can picture uh, hundreds of soldiers, uh, this battalion, or however many of them are there, and Jesus is brought before them and he's stripped of his clothing. He's not just stripped, and part of this is the embarrassment of that, but but more so, they strip him to put this robe on him, this robe that's close enough that it, it kind of reminds them of a king's robe. And so they, they take his clothing off, they put this robe on as a costume of sort. This costume has other things as well. They, they put the robe on him, and then in verse 29, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head. Uh, some have described these thorns that quite possibly would have been used, and they were very long and, and very pointy. And, and the idea is they grabbed some from that, that area, and they, they put it on his head, but they jammed it on his head, and that it, would, it in and of itself would be uh, something that would be hurtful. So they have a robe, they have a crown, and they also have, and this is all part of this costume, They put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. So what they did was, as these Romans, they gathered around and they are dressing him up as if he is going to be this play or this exercise for them for their humor. And so they dress him up. They put this reed in his hand. And now they participate uh, with this, uh, making fun of this scene that they have put together 
It says, they, and kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Uh, do you think this is appropriate for uh, a soldier to do to one who is going to lose his life? Uh, as we consider this, you look at this, and Matthew comes back and he concerns himself uh, with these two things over and over again. It's this idea that this was part of the plan of God it prophetically spoken in the Old Testament. He keeps pointing back and forth throughout the whole book. And the second thing Matthew concerns himself with, and is, he keeps drawing him back in conversation, is that Jesus is the king. He is the king. And so it, it's fascinating. We'll see throughout this whole passage, this scene, over and over again, it comes back to the idea that he is the king. I want to tell you, uh, they're mocking. They're mocking. But I, I want to say it this way. The joke's on them because he is the king. They're, they're going to great lengths to dress him up. They're going to uh, embarrassing Links to, to draw up this scene, but jokes on them because he is the king. And as these Roman soldiers go about their mocking, the, the cry of their mocking is, Hail, King of the Jews, and that is who he is and was. This mocking, uh, this scene goes from being that to abuse, abuse. And I'm sure if we would have had one of the soldiers here today, they would have said, well, the reason it doesn't matter that we abused him and treated him this way is because his life is worthless. He's going to be crucified anyways. It's not a big deal. As we see this, we, we see that uh, they go from this mocking, verse says verse 30, and they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. Uh, the, the, the idea there being the same head that had this crown of thorns. And so now they are abusing him. It says in verse 31, And when they had mocked him and stripped him of the robe and put on his own clothes, they led him away to crucify him. Matthew keeps coming back to the plan playing out as well that Jesus knew he was going to the cross, that they were plotting and planning not just to arrest him, but for him to die. Uh, they, they were planning his death. Then when they brought it about, they were arresting him, not to put him on trial, but to kill him. And a trial was just an incidental in there, a step they had to go through. And when the Jews got together to bring about witnesses. Why? Because they wanted him to die. And then bringing him to Pilate, the Roman governor. Why did they bring him there? Because they wanted him to be crucified. And finally, when he is sentenced by Pilate, it's sentenced that, they that he would be crucified. And now the Roman guards have him. And they finish this mocking at headquarters there. And they lead him away. Why? To be crucified. All these steps to the cross, all these steps, and once again, willing steps by Jesus. I think this is what's so 
hard for us to gather is because it's not about the Romans. It's not about the Jews. It's not about the guards. It's not even about the angry crowd. It's about the plan of God being worked out for sinners like us. So the sinful soldiers go about there and, and they go about this preliminary mocking and killing of time. And when they finally got done with that, we don't know how long that took. Uh, it says in it goes from verse 31 to 32 as a change of venue. They're now leaving there uh, to go and to crucify Jesus. In 32, it says this, and and uh, they went out and they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Uh, we don't know a whole lot about him other than that he wasn't from there, that he had a, a place. He, he was from a different town. And we can presume, this being Passover, that he was visiting and that he was there for Passover. I want to tell you that uh, it probably was just that the Roman guards didn't want to do it themselves and wouldn't stoop to do this but just grab somebody and Jesus not being capable of this after a long night of being questioned, after uh, this beatings and scourgings and this mocking and, and being kept. This is he's at he, he's starting to physically wear down. Uh, we come and they entrust this man to carry the cross. In this. Uh, we also get another detail. They're at, uh, they compel this man to carry the cross. They, they talk about the place, a place called Golgotha. Uh, and a, as part of that, in verse 34, they offer him wine to drink mixed with gall. Uh, but when he tasted it, he would not drink it. Most believe this, that this idea of wine with gall was maybe even a, a, a a part of the process of crucifixion that a, a woman of compassion would come and to the one that's going to be executed, grant them this drink that was medicinal and that it would somehow uh, cause them to uh, not feel uh, their, their senses would be dulled for such a difficult thing. And as Jesus tasted, he realizing it what, what it was, shoved it away and said, no, I, I will take the punishment. As we look at this this morning, we'll see details in here that Jesus wasn't about cutting corners on his way to the cross. He was not about making it easy. He was about taking the plan of God, embracing the cross uh, for me and for you. So we get uh, him refusing this drink. And then... Uh, Interestingly enough, I think that this, at least in the book of Matthew, is very different than we would have described it. Obviously, this is the way God intended it. But uh, what happens? How much of the crucifixion is described? If you look at the next verse, uh, verse 35, it says, And when they had crucified him. Give me the detail. Sometimes when we think of how this happened, uh, we want to, to look at the, the hammer that the soldier used. We want to see his hand touch Jesus. We want to wonder about the amount of blood and the gore that would happen. And yet, 
in Matthew's description, at least in Matthew's description, but I think it's characteristic of all of them, give very little details of the actual nailing him to the cross. And in this passage, it, it almost says it in a past tense where you missed the whole thing. And after they had crucified him, obviously, what we're going to see here is this, that crucifixion wasn't a point in time in a moment. It was drawn out, and a part of it was the design of the Romans that this would not be a humane way. This would not be a painless way to go about it. In our world today, uh, there's this big question of whether someone should be put to death for the things that they've committed, whether that should ever be done. And even as we have, as a country, said, yes, there are times, very few, uh, that that would be true, we've looked for ways to make death painless. The Romans were unconcerned about this. They were not, in fact, it was almost as if they had worked out a method so it would be a, a lesson for everyone and be drawn out uh, as someone was put to death. Jesus was crucified. Matthew uh, brings to us and shows us more the details surrounding uh, what happens in this crucifixion. So, as you, you look at this, they gave him the drink, and as he was crucified, and then it says this, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. As you think about this, as you think about this, you realize that, that that's what, uh, they had gone from horseplay, they had been messing around and making a joke out of it, and even dressing him up, and this and that, and then they go back to that. They go and they kill him, or begin the process of killing, and then it's back to horseplay. They're, they're taking his garments. Obviously, they've taken those garments off him, and now he is naked up on the cross. And now they are, are gambling, and it's not the issue of gambling that's the big deal. It's like they're playing a game for his clothing. And, and all this, if you can get it around your... For us, we look at this as... Maybe even as we study the book of Matthew, this is the pinnacle. This is, this is the most important week, or these next couple of weeks are the most important weeks in our whole study. But I want to tell you, for the Roman guards, just another day at the office. They, they were just going about their day. Another prisoner, another crucifixion. You, you don't know if these four or five, these handful that went about it, but they were just, you know, this, this is what they do. And this is the process they go through. When they know someone's going to be crucified, they mock him for a while. They make fun of him. Then they take him. They go about their business. Then if he's got any possessions, we have a game for that. And then that's all. That, that's what we do. As you look at this, you realize these soldiers, so they, they gambled or they threw dice for uh, his clothing. And then it says in verse 36, then they sat down and kept watch over him there. Uh, we don't know if this was part of like a special, uh, be careful of this one. Maybe their orders were, be careful of this one. You know, some have suggested that he thinks he's going to be resurrected or somehow get out of this or uh, th this one's special. And, and there's a lot of people who really want him dead. So make sure he dies. And so it, there's this, 
this picture where they put him on the cross and then they finally do whatever they're going to do and then they just sit, sit back and wait. Uh, there's, um, there's records, historical records of people who were crucified, put up on a cross, and then they were left to die, but family and friends, followers, pulled them down and nursed them back to health and they wouldn't die. And so uh, Matthew makes this point that these guards, these Roman soldiers, had somehow, some way, uh, they were going to sit and watch him die. They were going to make sure that he wasn't uh, just on his way to dying, but that he would actually die. We come uh, to, and we come back to this. Their mocking was such. Now it becomes once again uh, a mocking, but a charge. You see the charge against him in verse 35, and uh, the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, King of the Jews. And as is customary, they would uh, put the charge, they would list the charge, and then list the, show the one that is, this is happening to you. As you look at this, you go, uh, yeah, I read this story before. I knew that there was a charge up there. But you think about it. If you'd read in the newspaper or maybe you'd have some court documents for today, uh, you'd be reading through them and say the case of this, this, and this. and uh, The verdict, verdict is not guilty or guilty, whatever the verdict is. And if it's guilty, the punishment or the sentencing goes like this. And what they were displaying was the one, the, the one uh, who, who was guilty, but it's charge. And as they would look at it, they'd say, oh, that's the charge. The charge is, this is Jesus, King of the Jews. Which he was, right? He was. And then they would look down below and they'd see him dying. And they would say, that was the charge that he was found guilty of. And now he's dying. We're watching him die for this. I would say it to you like this. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. If you would say murderer, murderer, he, he killed th these many people. You'd say, oh, that makes sense. If you'd look at uh, uh, any other type charges, any kind of graphic things and uh crimes in various ways and against those who are unable to defend you'd see that and you'd go oh this this charge because he's guilty uh it needs this kind of response this is appropriate and as you would have seen jesus you would have seen his charge and it is not appropriate though this once again jokes on them he is the king of kings he is the king and so the Romans, uh, the, the Roman soldiers, the, the soldier sinners, uh, they went about crucifying him with charges, divided his garments, um, sat down to watch. And then it, it says something else. It says that there were others crucified, two others crucified. Once again, that, that, that was part of the day. I, I realize for us, uh, we use it as a symbol, those three crosses, we realize that, that's a symbol of that day. But for them, it was just a day. In fact, uh, the term or the place that was probably known for the place where they're crucified. And so it was just another day, just another place. 
Um, there were three guys crucified that day. We have a busy day. What are we going to do afterwards? Um, that kind of thing for the Romans, Roman soldiers. I want to ask you a question. Uh, it's kind of a side note here, but uh, how do you feel about the Roman soldiers and their treatment of Jesus? Bad, huh? Bad. It's inappropriate. And, and for us, uh, I hope as believers in Christ, that we would say nobody deserves to be treated that way. Nobody. It's not that uh, people aren't deserving of punishment, and I would say even this, even punishment of death. But, but how you treat a person means something. And, and I can't, as, as a, a, a church like we are right here, you know, the greatest industry we have, prison. Right. And we have people who deal with prisoners every day. And I know it's a struggle for you. We have uh, officers of the law. We have uh, the others who work out in the community in various places, firemen and even school teachers. We have people who have businesses where they deal with the common public. We have people who work in government. Talk about a difficult place. Uh, thankfully, you know, uh, most of us don't have to go to Washington, D.C. and deal with politicians all the time. This would be a hard thing for them as well. There's two things that we should keep straight when we're dealing with anybody, especially those who are extremely sinful, guilty, dirty um, people. The two things that we should remember. First thing is this, made in the image and likeness of God. That's what a human is. Someone who's made in the image and likeness of God. And we don't treat them well because they've treated us well. We treat them well because they've been made in the image and likeness of God. And the second thing is they have a soul. They have a soul. They're, they're not just another animal. They're not just some, something that doesn't matter. They have a soul. And so as we would treat people, and I would say this for those Roman soldiers, uh, they treated Jesus uh, as he was nothing, that he was a piece of trash, that his life was worthless. And so for us, uh, we should treat everyone uh, with this in mind, that they're made in the image and likeness of God and they have an eternal soul. As we move on, we go from the soldier sinners to the ignorant sinners. And... Uh, Verse 39 says this, and, and those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads. You get the picture here that, so the Roman soldiers, they had stuff on their schedule that day, three, three crucifixions. They go up to the hill, a uh, place called Golgotha. That's where they're going about it. They had stuff on their agenda. There were others that were just walking by. They were just walking by. They were passing by. And, and, and some of us, this, this whole idea kind of flips us out. You know, uh, it just kind of flips us out. So we're going by, we're heading out the gate here, and we notice up on the hill, oh, they're crucifying a few people. Let's stop and see what's going on. Uh, most of us would not do that. But uh, in, in a culture like this, this was part of what was done. And, and so people came and watched. They were, it wasn't on their agenda, but oh, we're here, there's something going on. And what happens to these people? They get sucked in by the event. These soldiers are doing what they're doing, but uh, these pa people who are just walking by, 
they join in and not just join in, but begin to hurl insults at Jesus as he dies. And this idea of wagging of head, it's not it's the idea of passionately going about it. It's not just mumbling. Should have thought of that before he got up. You know, he should have lived a little differently. It was the idea of uh, of passionately giving it to Jesus as he is on the cross. And Matthew continues to bring us back to both Jesus' claims, to prophecy, and then uh, to them using this, these ignorant sinners. Um, he, it says in verse 40, what they were yelling at him is, you would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Uh this whole claim of temple in three days, we're going to get into that real soon, right? The resurrection. And their question of him or their putting it to him would be, save yourself. And if you are the son of God, come down from the cross. And if Jesus would have responded, he did not, he would say this, I can save myself. That's not what I'm doing. I can come off the cross, but that's not what I'm doing. That's not the plan. And and even say it like this. I don't want to. As I say, I don't want to. I realize that Jesus spoke in his prayer and said, if there is any other way, but there was no other way. And if there is no other way, the mockings of soldiers or people passing by who say, can't you save yourself? Come down from the cross. Jesus says, I'm doing something. I'm busy. I'm busy. We go from these ignorant sinners to verse 41, the religious sinners. And it says this, So also the chief priests with the scribes and the elders mocked mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now. If he desires, if he desires him, for he has said, I am the son of God. The religious leaders are a little bit different than the ones who are passing by. The religious leaders had carefully heard what Jesus said. It wasn't that they kind of heard some things or whatever, but they had been engaged. In fact, uh, the whole Jewish uh community as they came together to the religious community came together that they knew what Jesus had said and so it wasn't as if they hadn't heard these things before it wasn't as if they knew what Jesus was about but as they watched him up there they mocked him saying this he cannot save himself he could have but Jesus would have said you know I'm busy I'm busy I'm, I'm about doing the Father's will. They mocked him, saying, He is the King of Israel. Let him come down from the cross, and we will believe in him. I want to tell you, that's not true. That's not true. He had shown uh, who he was. He had shown his deity to them over and over and over again in different places and different times, both in teaching and miracles and and bringing things together. And they knew, they knew, but they would not believe in him. But they were saying, you know, 
hey, you could get us. You could get us if you could come down off that cross. And then questioning the father's love for the son. He says he trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. What they're saying is surely, surely, if the father loves his equal son that is part of him, surely he would save him now. And I want to say, see that verse, that mocking, it's part of the greatness of the gospel. Do you get it? God so loved the world. That, that, that's what is so amazing about the plan of the father worked out in the son. The, the father's plan was not that the son would come down and, and get away or to uh, skip the cross, but that his plan was that he would go to the cross and that he would die for sinners like you and sinners like me. You're starting to get it? As you see this, you realize that these religious sinners and their mockings made sense to them, but it was not truthful. It was not something uh, that dis- described why Jesus was on the cross. And lastly, uh, we see condemned sinners. These same two that were crucified alongside uh, that were mentioned earlier. It says in verse 44, and the robbers were crucified with him, also reviled him in the same way. We know from the book of Luke, chapter 23, that though they probably both initially uh, participated in this mocking, one repented. One repented. And what a what an amazing story that is, right? If moments, you know, I don't know, moments or half hours or even an hour. I, I don't know how long it was, but talk about it wasn't a deathbed con- conversion. It was a uh, a crucifixion conversion, right? Uh, what a beautiful thing that even at that moment, even at that moment, even having sinned moments prior because they had trusted in Christ and not themselves, because they had accepted a gift from the, the king, the savior king. Uh, they were, they repented and they were saved. You look at this and you say, what an amazing thing that those who were truly guilty, truly guilty would join in as condemned sinners. They would join in at their mocking um, or speaking ill of Jesus as he dies. I want to give you three things that would be helpful for us to remember as we consider this crucifixion. And, and I want to say that this is just the first part, the first part. Next week, we're going to get to some of the details of the actual death of Jesus when he uh, actually dies. And so um, not because I'm a great preacher, but you're going to want to be here next week um, as we talk about um, get, get to our next passage. Things we, uh, we should remember, we must remember, first of all, is this. This was the redemption pass, path, the redemption path. And, and what I mean by that is this. Uh, as, as we look at this passage and the passages prior, uh, we, um, we wonder why Jesus is going through this. Even these words. Some of us have this attitude um, where 
how would you have done uh, the, those Roman soldiers treating you like that? Most of us would be stomping our feet, crying, weeping, saying, this is not fair. This is not fair. Most of us have this attitude that we aren't going to let anybody treat us bad. We're not going to be treated bad by anybody because we have more respect for ourselves than that. Uh, you know, we, we don't let our coworkers treat us bad. We don't let our spouses treat us bad. We don't let our kid. My kid's never going to talk to me that way. There's going to be consequences to this. We won't even let someone at a fast food restaurant in town treat us bad. In fact, we'll say to, I'm never going there again because of what they said to me. It's never going to happen. I want to tell you, Jesus wasn't looking for a path where everyone treated him well. In fact, he embraced the path that, that the Father had for him because it was the redemption path, path. And what I mean by the redemption path is this, that his goal, his goal, the Father's plan was to redeem sinners. And what that means is this. He meant to take those who were enslaved to sin, stained by sin, defiled by sin, made worthless by sin. His plan was to take them and to bring them into his very own, to, to make them his very own, to redeem them, to change them, that they would no longer be enslaved. They would no longer be stained. They would no longer be defiled and worthless. But now that they would be his very own and be useful to him. It was the redemption path. And so as we look at this time where we look at the crucifixion, I, I want you to say, uh, this price that was paid, every mocking, every step along the way, every time he said, no, I'm going to go through it. No, I'm not going to come off the cross. The reason he did that, because that was the plan, but it was the redemption plan or path for me and for you. Super important for us to remember. Secondly, um, for us to remember, uh, the, the crucifixion story is not about the gore of the crucifixion. I think so often when it's been depicted in movies and, and pictures, we're, we're fascinated. We're, we want to know the size of the nails. We want to know uh, the, the physical pain that went on. We want to know how much blood poured out. We want to know uh, what it felt like to be crucified. And I want to say, as I read the scriptures, and especially in the book of Matthew, it's almost skipped over. All that skipped over. And, and I have to ask the question, why? Why is he not giving me a better picture of what this was? And I want to tell you, it's for this reason. It's not the gore of the crucifixion that's important, but what it accomplished. What it accomplished. You see, the, the grand story... Uh, uh, even as we look at that day, right? Three, three of them were crucified. We don't know anything really about the other two. Just a little bit. The one and then less of the other. We don't know anything. And you know what? The next day, maybe they crucified other people. Maybe the week prior, they, 
They did 10. You know, I don't know. I don't know how often they did this. But the gore of the crucifixion is not the big concept here by Jesus. What it is, it's what it accomplished. And as we consider this, and even I know most of us are pretty familiar with the story, uh, you say, well, it's not that unusual for, you know, 200 people or so to gather and to talk about someone being crucified. That's not, that is unusual. Uh, but I want to tell you, the reason that we talk about it is not because we enjoy the gore of that and talking about, but because of what it accomplished. The saving of souls. The saving of souls for others that there was no other way that their soul would be saved. And lastly, I have a question for you. It was like this. What kind of king takes the place of his enemy? What kind of king takes the place of his enemy? Over and over again in the steps to the cross and the, the conversations, both in the charges and then the, the guards taking the, and the passers-by and the religious leaders and even uh, the others that we didn't hear the specific words. Once again, what is it? He's a king. He's a king. He's a king. What, I want to say, what kind of king? What kind of king? Gives his life for his enemies. And I want to say, it's the true king. His name is Jesus. He's the Messiah, the Christ. The one who willingly participated and followed the plan of the Father, the love plan of the Father, that was worked out in his precious son, where he gave his life for you and for me. Please join with me in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Um, Hard to uh, grasp all the significance of the cross. And yet today, as we look at it, we realize that this this was your plan and it was your plan for the world. It was your plan for Jesus, but it was also your plan for us. That we would come to know you. God, I ask that whatever else we're dealing with, that we would. Put it in light of the crucifixion. That Jesus gave his life for sinners. That we would find our identity and our worth in the cross. That we would find our hope uh, in the resurrection that we are going to look at in a couple of weeks. That we would find our security in knowing that we are a part of your family at the price of your son. That do your work in your church. Encourage us this day and this week as we seek to live for you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. You are dismissed.